Well, again, hey, good morning, Grumlaw Church, and, and happy Super Bowl Sunday. This is certainly a significant day, at least in our American calendars, where we get to watch some of the most physically gifted specimens on the face of the earth accomplish some pretty athletic feats while we all sit around, eat twice our body weight, and do less than athletic things like munch on nachos and gamble. So rock on America. Uh, I have some interesting statistics that I'd like to share with you. At least I found them to be interesting as it surrounds and as it relates to the Super Bowl. Uh, by the way, this has nothing to do with what in the heck we're actually talking about today. This is just kind of my ploy to get some of you to pay attention for at least like three minutes, okay? Aren't I just such a hip pastor? Okay, here we go. 325, listen to this, this is insane. 325 million gallons of beer will be consumed on just this one day alone. Uh, 1.3 billion chicken wings will be devoured. Uh, just in case you're curious, that is enough ch chicken wings to circle the earth three times, or that would be four wings for every man, woman, and child in America. A lot of wings. Domino's alone, just that one pizza chain alone, will estimate that they will sell between 11 and 12 million slices of pizza today, but it's not all that bad. Here you go, you health nerds. 139 million pounds of avocado will be consumed on this one day alone. There you go. I suspect probably most of that in the form of guacamole, because what kind of a weirdo eats a straight avocado? So here is the moral of the story. Maybe on your way home today, don't swing by McDonald's, okay? Like opt instead for a healthier option so you are not strolling into work tomorrow in a like food-induced coma. You're welcome, all right? This is the helpful insights that you get here only at Grumlaw Church. You all can go home. Let me pray for us. No, I'm just kidding. All right, but seriously... We are so glad that all of you decided to come walking through our doors today. Uh, we recognize, honestly, that you all could be a lot of different places here this morning. And for whatever reason, you decided, you, you chose to show up here today. And, and we certainly don't take that for granted. Uh, if you are new around here, you chose a really, really great Sunday to come walking through our doors. Because what I'm actually going to do today is I'm going to peel the curtain back a little bit and, and give you all a glimpse into why we do what we do here on Sunday mornings. Uh, and hopefully what you'll actually see is that there really isn't a curtain, that, that around here we're a pretty open book. Now, if this is a place that you've been showing up to for a while, if this is a place that you would call your church home, this is also a really, really great day for you to be here as well so you can better understand what exactly it is that makes us tick. Now, now some of you, you've probably caught on to this again, especially if you've been showing up here for a little bit, that there are certain statements uh, there's certain things that come flying out of my mouth on a pretty regular basis. In fact, I say them so regularly uh, that as I say the first couple words of these sentences, you actually find yourself finishing the sentence for me. Uh, one of these statements that I make quite a bit is connect groups are the most important thing that we do around here. And in fact, that's absolutely true. If you were here for part one of this series, uh, you'll recall how I, why I broke that down, why community is so important for every single one of us, why it's so important that you get out of the rows here on Sunday mornings and you get into circles in people's living rooms because it's so important for you not only to be known, but also to know other people. You, you, you need those people in your lives that are gonna have those hard conversations. You need those people in your life that are gonna have those tough conversations, those hard love conversations to help you prevent future future regret. In fact, if you weren't here for part one of this series or any other part, we're entering into week five of seven here this morning, I would encourage you to go to grumlaw.com slash messages and catch yourself up there or find us under Grumlaw Church wherever it is you grab your podcasts. 
In part three of this series, you might recall if you were here, we talked about the importance of spending daily time with Jesus. And one of the things that we said on that day, and we've said it many times before, is that a daily encounter is the most important thing that you ought to do. Because if you're relying on just this one hour each week, to somehow sustain your spiritual life. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm telling you, this is going to fall short. That this is more or less the front door, that developing a relationship with Jesus, just like any other earthly relationship that we have, it takes effort, it takes time, it takes intentionality. It's not something that just happens by accident. You're not just gonna stumble into a relationship with Jesus. Now, if you hear me make statements like this, like, you know, connect groups are the most important thing we do around here. You know, a daily encounter with Jesus is the most important thing that you ought to do. Perhaps you've had this thought circling around in your head, and I'm certainly not blaming you for this. In fact, it kind of makes sense that you would ask this question. Maybe you've thought to yourself, then why are we doing all of this? Like, like why would we go to the trouble of making these Sunday mornings happen? Why week in and week out do we set this whole thing up and then tear it back down? Why do we make this show basically every single Sunday? Because admittedly, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of manpower. We could probably come up with far easier and more cost-effective ways to entertain about 500 people each and every week. And that's what I'm pretty excited to share with all of you today. I'm excited to talk about weekends. The why behind these Sunday morning experiences. Because chances are, even if you've been showing up to a church for basically your entire life, it's doubtful that anyone has actually ever sat down and explained the why behind all of this. Now, but before we dive too far into this today, uh, it's worth noting, and you all are smart people, so you probably already figured this out. Uh, we're in this series right now titled, What's Next? where we're challenging every single one of you to come up with some sort of a plan as it relates to your faith, some sort of a plan as it relates to your spirituality. Because for whatever reason, we as, as human beings, we just tend to leave that area of our lives up to chance. And if you haven't caught on yet, that is not good. Because what comes naturally to you is so very, very rarely what is best for you. And, and that's not just a faith thing. That, that's literally an every part of life thing. We see this in our personal health, we see this in our finances, we see this in relationships. And so if you decide to just leave your faith to chance, you're only going to find yourself drifting further and further and further away from God. And so in this series, we're specifically talking about the Grum Law 7, which are weekends, baptism, daily encounter, generosity, groups, serve, and share. No, we did not invent these things. We just tried to put some easy-to-understand language around them. We're trying to make, in fact, your spiritual plan really, really easy on you by dissecting each of these seven disciplines. And then hopefully all of you that show up here on a regular basis, you won't just be a bunch of listeners where you sit here on Sundays and go, mm, right, that Christian moo, mm, right? And you go, good, and that's, oh, amen, right? And you say these things. Hopefully you all are a bunch of doers, where you implement one, two, eventually all of these disciplines are just a part of your life. And I can guarantee that as you do that, you'll begin to experience a closeness to God that you have never felt before. Because this is one of the incredible promises that God gives us. As we take steps closer to him, he will always, always, always move closer to us. And so, so far in this series, we've talked about connect groups, 
We've talked about baptism. We've talked about daily encounter. Last week, we broke down generosity. And as mentioned today, we're going to be talking about weekends. The, the Sunday morning experiences that all of you for at least today are choosing to participate in. Now, I, I've shared this before. I, I've been a lifelong church person. Like I, I've always had these Sunday services as just kind of a part of my life. Uh, my parents were even one of those weirdo families that like even on vacation where we weren't like near the church that we normally attended, they would look up like some local church and still cart us off to church and it was awkward, it was weird, we didn't know any of the people. I'm wearing like board shorts to church, I think, I think I'm underdressed, all these people are wearing suits, like I didn't really get it but that, that's just something our parents made us do. Now when you grow up with these weekend services, it's just kind of like a part of your life, uh, one of the things that you'll tend to learn are some pretty amazing songs, right? Those of you that grew up going to church, like you know some of these songs. Now, I'm going to turn back the clock a little bit, but, but here was one of my favorite songs growing up. Okay, you ready for this? It's a song about a little guy by the name of Zacchaeus. I'm going to put the lyrics actually on the screen for you, and <clears throat> here we go. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Some of you are singing. Go ahead, sing it along with me. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. It's my favorite part. And said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm coming to your house today. For I'm coming to your house today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw several husbands look over at their wives and go, I freaking knew it. It's a cult. Like you told me it wasn't. It's a cult. It makes sense. Now, despite the extreme cheesiness of this Sunday school nursery rhyme, it actually tells the true story of a guy that went by the name of, you guessed it, Zacchaeus. Uh, this account between Jesus and this guy by the name of Zacchaeus is actually recorded for us in the book of Luke. Luke, we happen to find in the New Testament, which is kind of the second half of the Bible. This, this big book that we call the Bible is actually made up of 66 smaller books, all comprised together again to tell the one story that all points to Jesus. Now, I love, 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 love the book of Luke, and here's why. Luke was written by, you ready this? A guy that went by the name of Luke. They weren't very creative when it came to their naming. But one of the really interesting things about Luke is that Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. He didn't just believe things for the sake of belief because other people were talking about it. He needed the proof. He needed the evidence. And he was hearing all these crazy things about this guy named Jesus. And he thought to himself, this just sounds too good to be true. And so he dedicated the latter part of his life to thoroughly investigating the events surrounding the life of Jesus. And then he records these findings for us in this document titled Luke. Now, one of these events, it's a true story that's recorded for us, is again, this interaction between Zacchaeus and Jesus. We pick up here in the 19th chapter. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho. This is a city that would sit immediately east of Jerusalem, right along the banks of the Jordan River. And he made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich, just like all the other tax collectors of this day. Now, every single time you read tax collector in scripture, hopefully you think to yourself, maybe you have been taught this, maybe you haven't, but tax collectors were among the most hated, despised, loathed people on the face of the earth back at this point in history, in particular in these Jewish communities. Because see, the Jewish people weren't too fond of the idea that they were being governed by 
by Rome because they didn't see themselves as Roman citizens. They saw themselves as, instead as citizens under God. So why do they have to submit to the authority of Rome? And to make matters worse, rather than going out and collecting these taxes themselves, the government, instead what they would do is they would outsource the work. It was pretty genius. They would sell the right to collect taxes to people that were already living in the area. And so you would find friends and neighbors and family members bidding on the right to collect taxes from you. And it was a system that was ripe for corruption because as long as Rome, as long as they got their cut, they didn't care if you collected more tax than was necessary. They didn't care if you went out and you made up new taxes and you would be protected by that Roman government. And so as your house got bigger and as you bought more toys and you bought nicer cars, well, they didn't have cars then, nicer donkeys, whatever the heck they were buying, you're looking at this and you're, you're resenting that person. You can't stand that guy because he's getting rich off of you, off collecting more money than was actually necessary. They were seen as traitors. People could not stand tax collectors. He tried, it continues, he tried to take a look, to get a look at Jesus, that being Zacchaeus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Back at this point in history, Jesus was arguably, literally, the most popular person on the face of the earth. People were hearing all over the place in this ancient Mediterranean world about this guy named Jesus and these incredible miracles he was performing. They're hearing about his incredible teachings. Everybody wanted to be close to Jesus. Everywhere that he traveled, these massive crowds would form, just trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. The best analogy that I could come up with in kind of like our modern terms would be like if Justin Bieber went strolling through like a shopping mall unannounced. We've seen these videos before, right? Like people lose their minds. They're trying to take pictures. They're just trying to touch them. And it's like, what are they going to do? Like go tell their friends, I touched Bieber. And they're like, your hand looks the same. Okay, awesome. I don't really care, right? I mean, you just go crazy for it. And that's what's going on here with Jesus, Hopefully I didn't just spoil Jesus for you, like Jesus and Justin Bieber, but you get the analogy there. People have lost their minds. They just want to see Jesus. And, and Zacchaeus, as we see here, is certainly no different. Now, I love the detail that's recorded for us by Luke. Uh, he was a short guy. He knew that if he just stood among the crowd, he, he wasn't actually going to get that face that he so desperately wanted to put to the name. And so what does he do? He's like, I was pretty good at climbing trees when I was a kid. I'll, I'll just stroll my way right up that tree, and when Jesus passes by, I'll be able to see him. What a resourceful guy. It says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus! Now, now I'm telling you, this would have been an oh-crud moment for Zacchaeus. He has never met Jesus before. He is wondering to himself first, how in the heck does this guy know my name? And now he's thinking to himself, gosh, Dang it, he spent two minutes in this city so far and he already knows I'm that hated tax collector and he's gonna ream me out in front of all these people. But that's not the direction that Jesus goes. He says, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. You all, as I've been studying and preparing this message this week, the, the, the beauty and the intentionality of what Jesus has just done in this moment cannot be overstated. He, he does not do this privately. He, he did this in, in public, in plain view. In fact, he made sure it was in public view with just this absolute sea of people all around him. Zacchaeus was not random. 
It wasn't like Jesus was sitting there thinking, man, I'm pretty hungry. I got to get into one of these people's houses and get some grub. No, he looks and he sees Zacchaeus and he very intentionally picks him out. When Jesus sees Zacchaeus up in that tree, he is making a statement that he will continue to make over and over and over again during his time on earth, and then he punctuates it in this single moment. See, Jesus, he scans this crowd, and he locks eyes with hated Zacchaeus up in that tree, and he jumps on this opportunity to drive home why exactly God has come down to earth. You all, Jesus intentionally picks out the most hated, despised, lowly, loathed person in that crowd, and he just doesn't say hello to him. He says, I'm coming over to your house for lunch today. He's making a point. He, he, he wants to make sure that, that Zacchaeus understands that he came for people like him, that Zacchaeus is loved. And, and I'm telling you, when Jesus calls out and extends this invitation to Zacchaeus, there would have been an audible <gasps> in the crowd. People would have started snickering. They would have started murmuring. There would have been enough judgment to make a high school cafeteria blush. He continues, he says, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Now, for those of you in particular that grew up going to church, you've heard this story before. You've probably heard it like 50 times. And I doubt you've ever slowed down enough to again just picture the beauty of what is happening here. This massive crowd yelling, people just trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. And all of a sudden, the crowd goes to a hush because Jesus has opened his mouth. And he yells out to Zacchaeus. And they're all like, yes, somebody is going to finally let this guy have it. But instead, Jesus goes in a completely different direction. And he says, I want to come over to your house today. Now, now picture the awkwardness of this as well. Everybody's looking at Zacchaeus. He's up in a tree. And he's like wearing like these garments. It's not like we're wearing jeans and a t-shirt. It's like cloaks back then. Imagine like scurrying down the tree while everybody is watching. And then he has this sea of people that he has to make his way through before he can get to Jesus. And imagine how awkward that was. Everybody hates him. Excuse me, excuse me. Hey, John, how are you? Oh, yeah, you still hate me. Okay, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, okay, yep, you're not going to move. Right, here we go. Excuse me. And eventually he makes his way all the way over to Jesus. And Jesus is like, where do you live? He's like, I'm right down there. And he's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and picture Jesus. And we're talking God in the flesh, God in a bod, strolling away. The, 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 the little, literally, the idea of perfection, strolling away with the picture-perfect description of hatred and vitriol and sin. Walking away, shoulder to shoulder. I, I'm telling you guys, as, as I was preparing this this week, it, like the, the, the beauty of this moment, it makes me want to sprint to Jesus, wrap my arms around him, and just tell him over and over and over again, Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you. But the people, as you can imagine, were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. They're, they're displeased, that they're frustrated, that they're confused, they're angry. Some of them are no doubt, they're, they're jealous, that they're up in arms going, what in the heck is Jesus doing? Well, what is wrong with this guy? 
Nobody likes tax collectors. You certainly don't talk to them. You definitely don't go into their homes. Like, we don't know what's going on in there. There's probably weird stuff. I mean, they're tax collectors. This is like the one thing that we all universally agree on. You don't interact with tax collectors. They're bottom feeders. They're a bunch of carp. You just stay away from them. Jesus, do you understand what you are doing right now? And Jesus in this moment would have replied, I I know exactly what I'm doing. In fact, just a couple of verses later, Jesus uses these words to describe his interaction with Zacchaeus and and the rest of the world subsequently. For the Son of Man, it's a title that he often referred to, to use to himself, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Why are we doing all of this? Why would we go to the trouble week in, week out, rain or shine, snow or sleet, to making sure that these Sunday services happen every single week? And Jesus answers it for us right here. To seek and to save those who are lost. All of you that are sitting here today, whether you're new to this whole church thing or or you've been at this church thing for your entire life, you deserve to know why we exist as a church and and why in particular we go to all the trouble to make these weekend services happen every single week. And, And stealing right from Jesus, it's to seek and to save those who are lost. Now, I get that there probably isn't a single person that is sitting here today that would appreciate being labeled as lost, right? I mean, it sounds a little bit insensitive. It sounds a bit harsh. But if you talk to any single person that that has a relationship with Jesus and you would ask them to describe their life with Jesus and then compare that to life without Jesus, wouldn't you know it? Lost suddenly becomes a very, very fitting description. See, see, every single one of us, we all, we're, we're all on this journey to find fulfillment, and satisfaction, and and purpose, and contentment in life. And and Jesus, who, whether you believe it or not, truly has your best interest in mind, is telling you that all that other stuff, your your career, your job, your, your money, the dating, him, her, toys, cars, your homes, all of that stuff is going to fall short. That there is a God-shaped void inside every single one of us that was only meant to be filled with Jesus. And until you fill it with a real intimate relationship with him, you're sort of, well, lost. And and, and come on, as as harsh as that maybe sounds, I think you kind of know it's true. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. Something drove you to come walking through these doors today. And my guess is that it was something a little bit more than just sheer curiosity. Chances are you have felt what what I and so many other people have felt, that there is something missing. That that everything else in life, it it all seems to fall short. And, And perhaps exactly what is missing is that relationship with Jesus. And and Jesus in this, this single interaction with a hated tax collector named Zacchaeus. 
And then he doubles down on this all throughout his time on earth. It's not just some one-off occasion. He, he very clearly communicates to every single one of us why he came to earth. You, you all just think about this. The God of the universe, the, the creator of, of the heavens and the earth, he humbled himself. He, he came down and became flesh so that every single one of us would have no doubt as to just how much he loves us. I mean, think about that. He didn't even leave it to chance. He, he didn't want to leave it to chance. He didn't even make it so that you have to go hunting for him. He sought you out to save you, to fill that void that will never be able to be filled with anything else and bring you into a life with more fulfillment, more joy, more purpose than you ever thought imaginable. And so stealing from Jesus himself, this is precisely why we do what we do here on Sunday mornings. For, for, for all of you that are here and you're just starting to explore, for, for those of you that are just beginning your faith journey, for, for those of you that you were a part of a religious environment growing up and you just sense that, man, there's just something not quite right here and it led you to walking away from the church, but... Now you're back and you're starting to explore all over again. But for all of you that have been hurt, that have been turned off by the church, dare I say it, for all you lost people, we do all of this every single week for you. We talked about this a couple of months ago. Uh, just a couple of chapters earlier, Jesus uh, allows this appalling statement to come flying out of his mouth. He says, there's more joy in heaven. Again, Jesus' words. There's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed away. Will, will you allow for a second the implications of what Jesus has just said there to sink in? J Jesus was not in the business of exaggerating. He, he didn't say things for hyperbole. He, he, he means exactly what he is saying here. Nothing brings your heavenly father more joy than someone turning, than someone giving their life to him. This is why this past November, we made such a big deal of that whole who's your one initiative. While that who's your one language is forever going to be a part of this church, that every single person that sits here, that regularly shows up here, that would call themselves a Jesus follower, would have that one person that they are committed to praying for every single day until that person comes to know Jesus. That they would pray for them every single day for opportunities to have conversations with them about Jesus, for opportunities to invite them here to church because you so desperately want them to experience the joy of having a personal, a real, and intimate relationship with Jesus. And that's precisely why we pour so much energy, so much money, so many resources into making sure that this is an environment where anyone feels comfortable walking through our doors. Because you can like it or not, agree with it or not, this is what brings your heavenly father more joy than anything else. People who are lost that finally turn to him. So with all that in mind, for the rest of our time here together, I want to share with you some of, not all, but some of our commitments here at Grumlaw as it relates to weekends here at this church. Number one, we will never be a church that does that. 
Let me explain. We will never engage in weird, man-made religious activities here on Sunday mornings that, that lead you to apologizing to your lost friend, your lost coworker, your lost neighbor, your lost family member as you're walking out into the parking lot. Where, where you're sitting there having that whole internal conversation thinking to yourself, like, gosh, dang it, of all the Sundays to do that, they had to pick today. I finally got him to show up. I finally got her to show up. And now you have to apologize. You're like, will you please just come back one more time? I promise. We don't normally do that. Like, it's really weird. I'm with you. But, like, we don't normally do that. So will you come back again? We, we don't ever want you to have to think, I wonder if they're going to do that tomorrow. Because if they do, I probably shouldn't invite him. I probably shouldn't invite her. We, we better never do anything that creates any level of hesitancy inside of you to invite that someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. See, here at Grumlaw, we, we are committed to creating an environment where people regularly say, I'm not sure I believe it all, but. I'm not sure I believe it all, but my goodness, that was helpful. I, I'm not sure I believe it all, but, but those are some of the finest, most genuine people in our community. I'm not sure I believe it all, but I am so glad that my kids are involved here. I'm not sure I believe it all, but that did answer a couple questions for me. I'm not sure I believe it all, but yeah, I think, maybe, yeah, I'll keep coming back. Number two, you won't ever feel marginalized because you don't know enough. That you never have to wonder if these messages, if the music, if the videos are going to make sense to you. That you never have to, again, have that whole internal debate where you're sitting there wondering to yourself, am I the only person that has no idea what in the heck that means? And you're second guessing whether you can ask the person next to you, like, are they going to think I'm stupid? Am I like the only person sitting in this room that has no clue what's going on there? We are committed to beating you to the punch. You may have noticed, we, we never just blindly say th things here on Sunday morning like the Bible says, and then just kind of trot on our merry way. Because for so many of you, the, the Bible is just a book at this point. And if we don't give you the context of what's going on here on Sunday mornings, you're lost. You have no idea what we're talking about. It's why we break down, even like today, why we tell you a little bit about Luke. We don't just jump into it assuming that every single one of you have bought into this idea that the Bible is truly the word of God. It's why every single week, you probably noticed, if you've been showing up here for a while, we tell you and we talk about what's going on during the singing portion. Because here's what we know. For those of you that did not grow up going to church, it's a little weird when the guy next to you puts his hands in the air, starts belting it out to the heavens despite the fact that he can't hold a key to save his life, and you're sitting there going, what in the heck is happening right now? We know that's weird, so we think we should probably at least explain to you why some people are so fired up about that, part of the mess, about that part of the service. That doesn't mean we breeze by. It doesn't mean that we don't do it, but we better tell you what's going on. It's why when we take communion, again, we don't say blindly, hey, this is the body and the blood of Jesus. Again, if you've never really spent any time in a church, you're going, I, I don't know if I want to drink blood. That seems weird. And this blood smells like grape juice. What kind of blood is this, okay? We are committed to explaining the details because for so many of you, you've never been told the details. And that's not your fault. We just assume here at places like these churches, we assume that you understand this stuff. But if you're not gonna get that information here on Sunday mornings, where in the heck are you gonna get it? And hopefully, if we do ever drop the ball in this area because of how we've modeled this over and over and over again, you don't feel embarrassed to ask. Number three, guilt will never be used as a strategic motivational tool. 
In fact, if, if you ever feel guilted by what we're talking about here on, on Sunday mornings, chances are that ain't us, and this might sound a little hokey to you, that's probably the Holy Spirit doing his thing. See, see, we are here to simply inform you what God has clearly communicated to us through his word, through this book that we call the Bible. We decided a long time ago that we were going to leave the conviction up to him. It's in that same vein that we're absolutely committed to creating an environment where laughter and fun are just normal. Too many churches you walk into and you're like, got a smile on your face, you're like, oh crud, yeah, that's right. Serious time. I'm at church, right? Like it's time to like, you know, pucker up. Y'all, there's going to be time for reflection, and there will certainly be topics and Sundays that have a heavier tone than others, but we better be balancing that out with laughter and fun and a contagious joy that, by the way, comes with having a relationship with Jesus. We, we certainly don't want you only showing up here because you feel guilted. That's not going to last. I alluded to this a little bit last week as well. If, if you don't enjoy showing up here on a regular basis, if the only reason that you come here is out of guilt, now listen, I recognize that there's going to be Sunday mornings where you're just like, I don't really want to go, but hopefully by the time you're walking back out the doors, you're going, I'm really glad that I was here. Even on those Sundays where, where it's one of those conversations that just pierces to your heart, and you're like, oh gosh, that, that was so hard to hear. You're still walking out going, but man, did I ever need to hear that. I needed that hard truth in my life. And so again, I'm not trying to get people to leave, but, but if you only feel guilted into showing up here, please go find a church that you enjoy showing up to. Go find a faith community that you get fired up about week in and week out going to. This shouldn't be something that you have to do. This is something that we get to do. Number four, your children will never become an afterthought. Grumlaw kids, alive, our high school ministry, free, our middle school ministry will always be a top priority. That the faith roots that are being established on the other side of that often noisy wall cannot be measured. That the same effort that we put into making sure that this is an attractive, inviting environment for all of you, we give that same level of energy and resources and planning to what's happening in Grumlaw kids. And candidly, we're smart enough to know that if you got to drag your kid here week in and week out, you're not going to stick around. You fight those battles too many times as a parent. You're not going to fight another one here on Sunday mornings. This last week, uh, we had a parent share with us. They're like, I, I just thought that this is worth noting because I've never experienced this before. When I went and picked up my child, they lost their mind because they didn't want to leave. Like they threw full on temper tantrum because they didn't want to leave church. We see the other side of that quite a bit, right? Where the kid doesn't want to leave the parent because it's like, okay, it's kind of scary and all that. No, this child was throwing a fit because they didn't want to leave Grumlaw kids. Now I'm not advocating fits, but I thought that was pretty amazing. We, we are always trying to find that balance back there of, of fun. It's why we have things like bounce houses, believe it or not. People have been critical of that. You shouldn't have a bounce house in church. I'm like, why not? Uh, there are so many kids that the reason that they walk through those doors the first time is because there's a bounce house. They're telling their mom, they're telling their dad on the way to church, I ain't going to church. They see the bounce house, they're like, see ya, I am walking through that door. Right? It's working, but it's not all just about entertaining your kids and having a good time. It's teaching them about the love that Jesus has for every single one of them. And leaders who are committed to developing real relationships with your children. I know I'm probably a little bit biased, but I am absolutely convinced that we have some of the greatest kids volunteers on the face of the earth. Can we give it up for our Grumlaw Kids volunteers? They crush it back there. 
And then lastly, and I, I will fully admit that I almost did not put this one down, but I genuinely felt like I had to because I hear it so much. Uh, we will not cave to the wishes of the religious folk. And that was about the politest way I could think to write that down. Uh, see, one of the not-so-fun parts of my job is that I get to hear uh, quite a few complaints. And, uh, and perhaps the most frequent complaint that I hear, at least from religious people, is you don't go deep enough whatever the heck that's supposed to mean. And then it's usually followed up by some passive-aggressive words meant to imply that if we don't get our act together and start going deeper, then they're going to be forced to go find another church. And I feel like at this point, I should just have a sign in my pocket that I can pull out on these occasions that simply reads, there we go, yeah, beat it. As long as I have the privilege of leading this church, you have my word that I will not succumb to the threats of people that are trying to deter me or the leadership of this church, whether it's intentional or not, from the vision of relentlessly chasing after lost people, of relentlessly pursuing the one. I know that some of the billboards do not make sense in your religious mind. They ain't for you. They're from people who are far from God. If you've ever been tempted to have those conversations to send that email, to fire off that Facebook message. Let me remind you that one, your obedience, let this sink in, your obedience is never going to supersede your knowledge. I have a hunch that if you're making that statement, you've probably been at this church thing for quite a while. I'm telling you, you already have enough knowledge in your head to last a lifetime and then some. So you should allow your obedience to catch up. You don't need any more information. So humbly, Get over yourself. And secondly, if I can be so bold, these Sunday morning services, as I have now clearly communicated, they're really not for you. If you find yourself making those statements, if you find yourself having those types of internal thoughts, you should use that as a mental trigger to think to yourself, when in the heck is the last time that I have invited somebody into one of these environments that doesn't already have a relationship with Jesus? And you know what's kind of wild? But when you have that lost friend, that lost coworker, that lost family member sitting next to you on a Sunday morning, you suddenly care a whole lot less about how deep the message is. In fact, you're pretty pumped that I'm not going through Ecclesiastes verse by verse. You're pretty psyched that I'm not sitting here fear preaching a hellfire and brimstone because otherwise you'd be left apologizing for your pastor on your way out into the parking lot. Now, this all sounds nice and I can get all heated about the religious folk, but... Here is the most exciting part. You ready for this? It's working. You all, it's working. People who are far from God, people who, who, who had given up on church, people who had never routinely made this a part of their life are walking through our doors every single week. Come on. There's a bunch of you that are sitting here right now. I want to share with all of you this morning, we, we have so many of these stories, and it was hard actually to just kind of pick one, but I want to share just one of these stories with you right now. Take a look. So I didn't grow up going to church. You know, we didn't have the traditional every Sunday morning church experience. Well, when I was young, we did go. I'm not exactly sure what stopped it. I always believed in Jesus and God and followed that because I was a kid and I thought that was the right thing to do, so. When Owen and Landon were three, they had a classmate pass away, um, another three-year-old, um, which was really hard on 
them. And that's probably kind of what sparked their questions, like what happened? Um, just having the right response to that and knowing how to address that. Um, that, that really is where it started. Yeah, because we couldn't answer why some, you know, a young kid would be taking them. So young and, and somebody so close to them too that they went to daycare with, so. Um, and so that really kind of started the thought process, like we, we really probably should start looking for a church to attend just for us and for the kids. And my friend Amanda was attending church down in Clarkston and I had reached out to her and asked her a little bit about it. She reached out and said that Grumlaw was starting. And so we decided to check out Grumlaw and we were there at the very first service. Yeah, I noticed that every time we walk in, you know, the people, you know, greet you when you're coming in and also the music that's outside when you're coming in the parking lot and then you got your director people out there as well. I mean, that's shocked me and, and, and thought I thought it was great, you know. And yeah, it's just a warm feeling when you walk in. You have all yes. these people saying hello, good morning, how right. are you? They know you. Um, so you just, you feel more comfortable. We, we were pretty, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was pretty anxious the first time we went, like not knowing what to expect. I didn't know how the kids were going to respond. But the moment we got in the car and actually had a minute to reflect as a family, like how that, how it was, all six of us were like, we're definitely going back. Um, it's just something that just I knew would be a part of our routine. And then the other thing, the kids just absolutely love it. Um, like, beg to go because they enjoy it so much and they're learning so much. It's always amazing to me, like, the stories that they come home and tell and they knew things that I hadn't even heard or learned yet. Um, so just being able to have those conversations with them. They took to it pretty well and it was nice, nice for us to actually have a moment too. So like, you know, this is a way for us to have a little bit of peace, right? And I feel like um, the service is uh, uplifting, you know, so that, that was another thing. And as well as I enjoyed, you know, listening to the band, the music, and that, that's another big piece of it too. Um, it's opening and expanding my mind to the opportunities of, you know, what we can do with our lives, so. I mean, it, I, it almost is like one of those things where you just schedule, you pencil it in, you put it on your calendar. One of the things, like for me, I make sure it's always on my calendar, even though I know we're going, I still put it in there because I feel like when you don't write things down, like sometimes you don't do them. Yeah, so that definitely is one way of doing it, is to make sure that you're Consistent. And just maybe challenge yourself, like, okay, we're going for the next four weeks, and I, I honestly feel like if you do that, you'll continue want to want to come back. Man, so, uh, so as I wrap up this morning, I, I want to challenge all of you. If this is a place that you regularly show up to, if this is a place that you feel like has in any way had a positive impact in your life, I want to invite you into something. Will you begin to invite people into this environment? Every single week, uh, we put these little cards on your seat, and I want you all to pick them up right now, and I know where you're going to get them. They're under your seat. Okay, yeah, that's right. 
Go ahead and grab these suckers. They're little things. Connect to your connect guards. We're seeing about 3% participation. Let's strive for at least five. Okay, everybody pull these suckers out. Now, one of the things that's a little bit disheartening about these little, uh, as we call them, invite cards uh, is that about 99.9% .9 of them find their way right where you just dug them out from every single week, right underneath your seat. And I'll definitely take some ownership of that. Maybe we haven't done a good enough job communicating what these things are for. And I'm convinced even that 0.1% is just like people spitting their gum into them. But we have a new purpose for these. This is exciting. Uh, we want you to take these and invite people. Can you imagine, honestly, guys, if just the Jesus followers in the room made it their weekly priority that said, I'm going to pass out one of these invite cards every single week. When I show up here every week, I'm going to take that invite card, I'm going to put it in my wallet, I'm going to put it in my purse, I'm going to put it in my pocket, and I am going to approach somebody this week, and I'm going to invite them here on Sunday morning. But, but I want you to actually take it a step further than that. Rather than, and we do this, and I've done this, so I'm, I'm throwing myself under the bus, rather than doing like the drive-by invite, where you like walk by the coworker's desk and like, you should come with me to church. And then you just like, <laughs> what was that, right? Rather than like putting it in your neighbor's mailbox and then scurrying away, hoping that none of it, nobody else in the neighborhood saw you there, let's actually be intentional. In fact, I want to challenge you to use this language. Will you begin to say, come sit with me? It was so cool is, is we have all these, these stories now that people have told me like, hey, I've started to use this language and it has made all the difference in the world. And I want you to listen up for like three things. Like when somebody's experiencing some sort of a problem in their life that they weren't ready for. As we saw with Anna, when you experience a conversation, when you hear somebody talking about some conversation they weren't prepared to have, when you hear somebody that says, yeah, I don't normally go to church, will you use those as mental triggers to invite that person to show up here on a Sunday? To say, come sit with me. When you hear that coworker talking about how much their marriage is struggling, that you can look at them in the eye and, and be genuine. This isn't made up, but you're like, you know, that's crazy. Like, my marriage, it definitely has its ups and downs as well. But you know what's something that's really, really helped me and, and my wife? Going to church. Will, will you come sit with me? Man, my kids ask me so many conversations too that I just feel like I am not prepared to answer at all. But something that's really helped with me actually is, is showing up to church on a regular basis. Will, will you come sit with me? Man, it sounds like you've had a terrible experience in church in the past. And man, I'm telling you, maybe that was your experience, but I really love my church. I don't go there out of guilt. I go there because I want to be there. It's, it's been good for my life. Will you come sit with me? You, you, well, obviously this is not the only way that people can begin to experience God. That, that would be so arrogant for me to try to claim that. It's not just here at Grumlaw on Sunday mornings, but like it or not, God chooses to use these Sunday morning services, these weekends, as so many people's front door to their faith. This is often the first step for people as they begin to move towards God. So I want to invite you to be a part of that. Perhaps the greatest role that you could play in all of this would begin to ask other people, hey, will you come sit with me? Now, last thing that I'll say, and Rudy alluded to this a little bit in the video, I also want to challenge those of you that would call yourselves Jesus followers. Will you fight to be here on Sunday mornings? Will you scratch and claw to make sure this is a true priority, not just the thing that you do when you don't have anything else going on? One of the things I've figured out as a pastor is like we create some pretty lousy excuses for not going to church. It's like you wouldn't cancel dinner plans with your friends under those same circumstances. Fight to be here for your kids, for you. Can you imagine, again, the impact that you would have on your life if you were just here on a regular basis? One of the unfortunate trends that we're seeing in the local church, they're saying now the most recent study would say that the average churchgoer shows up about once every five weeks. And we see that here as well. 
So when you scratch, when you claw, when you do everything you can to be here consistently and watch the difference that that begins to make in your life. And again, begin to invite people. The number one reason that people do not show up to church on Sunday mornings, this is a fact, is because they were never invited. You have no idea how God may want to use you to change somebody's literally their, their eternity. So let's begin to ask that. Come sit with me.